Okay, let's uh, take our Bibles and open to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, excuse me, chapter 1 and verse 2, 1 Corinthians 1, 2. Um, We are continuing our study of basic doctrine, and uh, tonight we are uh, beginning the section on the church. And uh, this is uh, this doctrine we call ecclesiology. Um, that's not a terribly uncommon word, but it's not terribly common either. Uh, you occasionally will hear somebody talking about something ecclesiastical, maybe, um, not, but not a lot, right? Um, ecclesiology, uh, of course, comes from a Greek word, like most of these words do. Uh, it comes from the Greek word ekklesia, um, which shows up uh, a lot in the New Testament. And it's a word that just means assembly. Right? Ekklesia means assembly. It's used, uh, it's often tran- translated in our Bibles as church, um, but it's not always a church. It can be, uh, you know, a, a crowd of people who gathered for an event or for a meeting that can be an assembly so it's not um, it's not strictly speaking um, a word only for church um, but it is the main word that uh, that is translated church it's the main word used to describe the church um, and knowing what that word means uh, helps us know what makes a church a church Right. So um, I could have picked, I mean, probably dozens of verses from the New Testament for us to talk about this. But First um, Corinthians 1, 2, uh, here at the beginning of Paul's letter, he says, To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Now, um, there's a pretty good theology of the church just in that verse right there, right? That the church belongs to God, uh, that the church, um, often when we're talking about the church, it exists in a particular place like Corinth or Menden, right? That the church is made up of people who are sanctified, that is set apart as holy in Christ. They belong to Christ and they're holy, not because they're holy on their own, but because they're in Christ, that they are called to be saints, that means holy people, um, and not just, uh, the, the church is not just one body in one place, but they're those um, who are called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So a church is made up of people who have been set apart in Christ as holy for God who call upon the name of Jesus, right? They trust Jesus, they confess Jesus as Lord, they've called upon the Lord, and they are uh, together, they are in some sense joined um, with all the people in all the places who call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? So they're part of a larger body, a larger community, although um, they exist in a particular group right in a particular place and we'll talk more about that i'm sure as we go through the our study of the church about local church versus universal church and and all those kind of things but 
really all I want to focus on tonight is the fact that Paul says to the church. What does that mean? And if we showed up at the church in Corinth, what would we see? Right, what, what would be um, similar to what we uh, see when we come to our own church or, when we ex- or that we expect when we go to somebody else's church? Uh, how many of the things that we expect to find here or, or, you know, or at a church down the road, how many of those things would we find at the church of God in Corinth that Paul's writing to? Um, and how many of the things that we associate with church today would we not find? Right, if we were to jump in our time machines and show up at the church in Corinth in the first century. In other words, what is a church at its, at its most foundational and fundamental? If you strip away all the extra things, what is a church according to the New Testament? Right, so um, <clears throat> we... Um, when we were kids, many of us um, learned that cute little song, right, where you take your hands and you go like this and you go, here's the church and here's the steeple. Look inside, you know, if you do it this way, here's all the people or where are all the people? Yeah. Um, and it's not a bad song. It's a cute song. It's cute when kids do it. But it's not really a great theology of the church, right? Because there is no such thing as a church with no people, right? Because the church, strictly speaking, is not the building, but it's the body, right? A church is a people. Remember, the word ecclesia means assembly. It means an assembly of people who have come together, right? So at its uh, most basic, right, a church is a gathering of people, right? You have to start there at a minimum, right? And then there are some particular things those people are going to do, and there are some particular things that should be true of those people, but unless there are people there, it's not really a church. Now, you know, I'm not going to rebuke you if you say, I'm going up to the church and say, well, there's nobody there. It's not actually a church right now. You know, we know what we're talking about when we say this is a church building. You know, I'm, I'm not saying we need to be super picky about that. But we do need to know in our minds, right, that if, if something happens to the building, right, if some kind of natural disaster or something, something happens to the building, the church is not destroyed because the church is the people, right? We can meet out under a tree and we're still a church. We can still have church, you know, uh, and without, without having the building. In fact... Um, in, uh, in Colossians 4, and you don't have to turn to this verse, but uh, in Colossians 4, uh, Paul says, this is sort of at the, the end of the book, those greetings that he gives that we often you know, kind of run through pretty quickly. He says, give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And if I'm not mistaken, that's not the only place where Paul says to somebody, uh, yeah, actually, uh, Philemon, I know for sure. Um, uh, when he writes his letter to Philemon, he talks about the church in your house. Um, so one of the things that was different about the church in the first century, uh, when Paul was writing and the other apostles were operating, um, is the churches had not yet begun to build buildings that were exclusively uh, places for the church to meet. Right? So 
where are you going to meet? Well, they met at people's houses. Right? You find somebody, I guess, in your church who's got a big enough house where you can fit enough people. And I guess if you outgrow the house, you start another church in the neighborhood next door where there's another. Uh, and that, that seems to have been the common practice in the days of the New Testament. In fact, um, I think uh, church historians will tell us that we have no evidence of buildings, church buildings being built um, until I want to say it might have even been like the 300s. Certainly the 200s, but uh, if I'm not mistaken, but I think maybe even the 300s where they finally started to build a building that was specifically meant to house a congregation of Christians. Right, so um, a church is not a building. Right? A church is an assembly of people. And as we uh, see in that verse in 1 Corinthians 2, there are a certain kind of people. Right? They're people who call upon the name of Jesus. Not, not, every, uh, not every assembly is a church. Right? Not, every, uh, not every group of people who show up in the same place is a church. Not every, not every Bible study is a church. Right? Not, every, uh, not every group of people who've even gotten together for a religious purpose are a church. A, a church is made up of saints, made up of people who call upon the name of Jesus, made up of people who trust God. That's why um, uh, as, as Baptists, we belong to what's called the Believer's Church tradition, uh, where we say the only people who truly make up the church, the only people who can be members of the church are people who are born again, people who are Christians. Right? Our, our children and our guests and our neighbors who come who have not professed faith in Christ, uh, we love them and we want them to be here. We want them to join us for worship and all those things, but they're not, they're not the church. Right? They're gathering alongside of the church. Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians 14, how when he's dealing with prophecy and speaking in tongues and whatnot, he says, you know, if an outsider comes in and you're all speaking in tongues, I mean, they're not going to get anything out of it. But if an outsider comes in and somebody prophesies, then you know, their heart is exposed and they recognize God is among you. In other words, he's talking about the fact that not everybody who shows up to the assembly is a part of the church just because they came there on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. The church is uh, the people who have come together in the name of Jesus, the people who belong to Jesus. So that's who they are. What do they do? What does the church do when it assembles? It has to assemble, right? Which, by the way... uh, That means you cannot have church by yourself in front of the television or in front of a computer, right? Now, that might be better than not doing anything, but that's not church, right? There was, um, you know, if somebody says, come to my church, actually come to my church, you don't actually have to come. Log onto your computer and watch the service, and when we tell you, then you take communion and you're part of our church. You're not part of their church, right? You're observing a ceremony online, but you're not gathering with any people, and the root definition of what a church is is an assembly. Right? So, again, if you, have to, if you have to stay home because you're sick, or you're staying with somebody who's sick, or, or you can't get out of the house, or whatever, nothing wrong with watching good preaching on TV. <laughs> I qualify that, right? Good preaching on TV. That's fine. But if you say, oh, I don't, 
I've not ever joined a church because I just sit at home and watch this service, not because I can't get out, but because I just don't want to. That's not church. Yes, sir. Yeah, right? Yeah, on my tractor. Yeah. If you're if you're by yourself, you're not a church. That's just not how it works, right? A church is an assembly. Uh, now, what does the church do? Um, what does the ch- what Here's one way to ask this. What's the difference between a church and a Bible study? If if five Christians meet at a coffee shop and study the Bible together, is that church? It's good, but is it church? No, it's not church. Why, why is it not church? Right, if I, you know, have, there's several families and we're all friends and we're all Christians and we get together on Sunday mornings and we sing a couple songs and, and read a chapter of the Bible, but that's all we do, is that a church? Mm, that's closer. But it still doesn't seem right. right? What, what's missing? It's not, the, it's not the building that's missing, right? Because in Paul's day, they were meeting in houses. What's missing? Well, we're not the first people to think about this or try to answer this question. right? So here's how um, the, uh, the Protestant tradition has answered that question. So the Catholic Church would probably have a different answer than how we would answer this. But here's how... Baptists, Presbyterians, Methodists, all Protestants, I think, could get behind this this explanation of what the church is. This comes from um, a a confession of faith that's from the Lutheran tradition, right around the time of the Reformation. But I think all Protestants probably would agree with this. Here's what the, the Augsburg Confession says. Where the gospel is preached in its purity... And the holy sacraments are administered in accordance with the divine word. There is the true church. Now, we might not use the word sacraments, but if you just say baptism and the Lord's Supper are being practiced, right? Then what they're saying is, in order for you to have a true church, you have to have the, the true gospel preached, and you have to, you have to practice baptism and the Lord's Supper according to Scripture. If you have those two things, there you've got a church. That that seems to fit with Scripture, right? You've got people who come together in the name of Jesus to hear the Word of God preached and to obey Jesus who said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me and go and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. If you're doing those three things, let's say, um, then you've got a genuine church. You don't have to have pews. You can have chairs. You can sit on the ground. You can be outside. You can have a pulpit or no pulpit. Hymnals or no hymnals, right? But if you gather in the name of Jesus to hear the gospel and celebrate the Lord's Supper and practice baptism when you have the opportunity, right? That's not a weekly thing, but... um, those are the things that mark um, a church. One uh, guy who's a, a sort of a church history and theology guy who studied the Reformation, um, he, he said this. He said, despite the differences among themselves, Luther, Zwingli, and Calvin, who are three of the main reformers, but they had significant disagreements 
particularly over how to practice the Lord's Supper. All three of them had significantly different views. We're Baptists are more Zwinglian, right? Lutherans, and then uh, the Presbyterians are more in line with Calvin. Um, but so that's kind of your three parties, right? Despite the differences among themselves, Luther, Zwingli, and Calvin agreed on two essential marks or characteristics of the true church. The correct preaching of the word and the proper administration of the sacraments. Or again, we would say the ordinances, but we're talking about the same thing. All right, so um, if you have those things... Right, that's then. Then you've got a church, and I, again, I think that lines up with Scripture. There's no, there's no passage in the Bible that says, you know, here's what you have to do if you, if you um, are going to be a church. But we know from uh, the letters that Paul wrote to pastors, right? What did he emphasize to them? He said, preach the word, devote yourself to the public reading of the word. You got to read and and preach. God's word, right? So that's a given. And what did Jesus say to his disciples? You've got to baptize and you've got to practice the Lord's Supper. None of those things can you take away and still have a church. Right? Well, what church do you go to? I go to such and such church. Well, how often do y'all practice the Lord's Supper? Well, we don't ever observe the Lord's Supper. You'd say, might be a good Bible study. Might be a good conference thing that you're going to. But a church that never celebrates the Lord's Supper is not a church. Right? Um, a church that never baptizes, right? Your Bible study group. Maybe you even decide you're going to, you know, take the Lord's Supper in your Bible study group or something. Well, but is anybody preaching? Is there baptism? Because it's not a church, right? Um, If you are a church, you come together on purpose in the name of Jesus to hear the word and do what Jesus said, right? And that involves baptism and the Lord's Supper. So um, if you think about that, right, then um, think about all the things that we have um, added to that, some of them good and some of them not, right? Um, like there's, I mean, you've got to have a place for people to be. In some, some cultures, people stand in church. So I guess you don't need a place to sit. But most of us, we... we well, for example, like in Augustine's day, uh, I'm pretty sure August, Augustine sat while he preached, which I don't know how you... I'd I, I feel restrained if I was sitting, right? Um, and I think, if I remember correctly, all the people stood while he preached, well, we do the opposite, right? The preacher stands and the people sit, which seems more fair, right? <laughs> and I think it makes everybody more comfortable. Or sitting at your feet. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, so you have all these things that like, I mean, you have to make a decision and do something, right? You have to either stand or sit. And if you sit, you have to have a place to sit. Um, if the preacher's going to stand, he's got to stand somewhere. He's got to have a place to put his Bible, right? Um but none of those things are the essentials, right? There, there are so many people who think, um, you know, when they go to look for a church, the main thing they're looking for is not even something that is important <laughs> to the existence of the church, right? Uh, and so it's important for us to remember um, 
the things that are the main things, the things that make a church a church, uh, the things that are timeless, the things that are essentials, the things that unite all Christians in all places and all times, right? The, these are the things that we all do uh, in one form or another. So um, anyway, so that's where we start with the, with the doctrine of the church. What is it? It's an assembly of believers, right? We would say as Baptists, it's an assembly of believers, people who gather in the name of Jesus, who hear to hear the scriptures and obey Jesus' commands to baptize and observe the Lord's Supper. Um, we'll talk more about some of those things as we go, um, but that's where we want to start, just with the basics. So any thoughts or comments or questions?